0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Nick Metcalf of Steakstones. Steakstones is a very unique cooking experience that can be enjoyed both in restaurant and at home. It's a meal where you have the opportunity to cook your food exactly as you like. Simply put the stone in the oven or on a stovetop, put your steak on top of it at the table, and sizzle it and sear it exactly to your liking. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Nick Metcalf of Steakstones. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Good to be here, Cameron. Yeah, so I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up, and what would you say your childhood was like?
1: Um, so I grew up in a, in a pretty small English um, village. Um, the upbringing was fairly standard, I guess. Um, went to maybe a, a toughish middle school, which my parents credit um, my determination for, uh, for, <laughs> for things to be um due to so yeah i yeah. think it was a it was a pretty standard childhood um yeah some tough runs um but generally but pretty happy kid i guess mm, certainly uh what were some of your
0: aspirations growing up as a kid were you involved with sports or lemonade stands sports was everything
1: for me yeah that was that was pretty much what i did as a kid so yeah. know, i was playing football and i took up golf pretty late um i think that certainly had a a big part in in who I am, you know, in terms of um, always, you know, striving to get better at something. Um, that's a big part of of my character, I guess. And uh, still battling the golf course and trying to trying to get better at that as well. Mm, certainly. Uh,
0: going on to school, uh, what was your grade school like? Did you get involved with sports through high school and then pre uh, college? What were some of your aspirations once you got into the grade school grade school years?
1: Yeah, I suppose I didn't really have aspirations beyond school. Um, mm-hmm. My family weren't from you know university backgrounds and things. So it was, um, yeah, I was, I guess, a, a fairly typical kid. I was at school just because I was told to be there and supposed to be there. I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, I think if I was back there these days, I'd be diagnosed with something like ADHD or <laughs> you know, perhaps even uh, some mild dyslexia. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, I got through school. It wasn't great. Um, I suppose sport was was something that um, kept me going there. Um, mm. As I mentioned before, playing football, um, that was that was a big part of of what I did. Um, yeah. But education was kind of always a secondary thing for me. Yeah. I didn't really understand the point of it. So
0: Yeah. So you mentioned university. Did you end up going to college then? And if so, what did you study there?
1: I did, yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do post school. Um, My interest was in sports, um, Mm -hmm. so you know I I was looking at universities very late. um, Ended up going on to study sports science, which I did enjoy. You know, it was a a fun degree. Went to a a decent university in the end um, and spent three years studying that. Um, I suppose that was probably the start of my entrepreneurial journey as well, Mm. Um, not necessarily through sport, but other opportunities that uh, that came to while I was at university.
0: Yep. Certainly. And then post-graduation, what did you end up doing for, say, work um, pre-Stakestones?
1: Yeah. So I remember having a a heart-to-heart actually with a a friend's mum, And there was a a sales job um, that I was looking at, um, which was reasonably well-paid. Or there was an internship with IMG, who one of the biggest sports marketing agencies out there. I was going to be unpaid for at least six months. um, And I was you know, to and fro between the two. And, you know, ultimately, yeah, you know, the, the the great advice I had was what are you interested in? What's your passion? Um and that was sport and the sports marketing side of things. Um and again at that stage I was, you know, pretty um into the world of golf. So I knew IMG had a massive interest in that sport. So I went for the the unpaid internship um mm. and yeah, did that for in the end nine months. Um so that was that was the start of my career.
0: Wow. And then after that, um, how did you get into culinary then? Especially like steak stones, going in from kind of that sports marketing background. What what leads you this way? Yeah, well, it's definitely related.
1: I was um, working for the... I went from working for IMG um, to actually getting a role with the European Tour, um, working mm-hmm. on an agency side, running a sponsorship. Um, and one of the events we were on was in Versailles, France. Um, we were at a big media lunch, um, and we had fillet steak for lunch. And I remember the... They ask you how you want your steak done. And I don't know whether you've traveled much or been to France, but they consider anything beyond blue is, is you know, overcooked. So at the time, I liked my steak well done. And knowing that they were going to bring it out, almost still moving, um, I said, I'd have mine well done. And it came out. It wasn't quite well cooked enough. Mm. I asked for it to go back to the kitchen. Um, and the chef came out with his tall hat and said, who's this? Is this? And I kind of sheepishly put my hand up and said, it's it's mine. And he was like, why kill it twice? <laughs> <laughs> so I and kind of said, well, I just want to kill once, you know, and, and actually it's my yeah. steak. So perhaps I can have it cooked how I want. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that joined together with a, a visit to Brazil and Argentina to the Tarascarias where you get your freshly cooked food. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I started putting two and two together and just sort of wanted to find a way to allow you to enjoy your steak cooked, um, as you want it. Um, so that's, that was the, definitely the seeds of the idea. All that took mm. a few years to get to that point of getting things going.
0: Wow. Incredible. If you can explain to the listeners, um, what is a steak stone and how does that kind of process work? Um, especially for the consumer making their steak themselves.
1: Yeah. So it, it's, it's part of the story as to, to where we, where we got with the product that, um, I, I, Kind of knew the, the concept could work i knew you, there was a way to retain heat in stones but I, I didn't really know how to do it when we when we started out so mm-hmm. i was looking at lots of different options for the stone and i actually went on the uk program dragons dem which you guys have shark tank mm-hmm. so the equivalent of that and one of the prerequisites to go on the show was to have all your suppliers lined up and have a letter from them all saying that you know, you were, you were using them and they had the, the, the stock ready and, you know, the prices agreed. Mm-hmm. And I went to the stone supplier I had at the time and I knew it wasn't quite the right stone that I was using. Um, yep. And the guy wouldn't give me the letter um, for, mm. for various reasons. We'll call it fate. Um, he just said, yeah, I don't think I can supply as much as you need at the price you want. Um, so I was stuck literally about five days before I was due to go on national TV mm. without having the main Feature point of the the product, so yeah, I went away and literally spent an entire night online trying to find someone I knew. I needed lava stone because I knew lava, you know, could hold the heat better than any other stone. Um, and I eventually found a supplier at about four in the morning um, in Italy and agreed with him the next day. Um, he was going to get some samples off to me. We literally had a bank holiday in the UK um on the monday so he got these products to me amazingly on the tuesday i tested the product the stone once before i went um to the filming of dragon's den unfortunately mm. it worked and we walked up the stairs of dragon's den with our steak sizzling on the stone still with our fingers crossed slightly that this thing wasn't gonna blow up or do anything crazy on tv uh, yeah. fortunately it went okay <laughs> wow that's incredible so what was that experience like
0: going on dragon's den especially at an early stage like this as well
1: yeah it was, it was pretty terrifying. I mean, the run-up to the show was was great, actually. It was something that, you know, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of the format of the program anymore. I think it, you know, it, it pr- is probably there to make fun and, and exploit entrepreneurs and, and startups a little bit. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was definitely a case that, you know, we had to write the right business plan. We had to have all our, you know, all our, our eggs in a row. We didn't want to, you know, look silly on national TV. So mm-hmm. I knew my numbers. I knew the business. I knew the marketing. Um, again, the way that they go about things is is a little bit um, untoward. I mean, they had one question to me, which was was posed to me um, by, uh, I believe, Deborah Meaden, um, and she said, you know, what market research have you done? And I went into a long answer that I'd seen this kind of style of cooking out in Asia. Um, and I'd actually been to a restaurant and I'd interviewed 50 people who'd come out of a restaurant and said, look, if you could have this at home, would you, you know, would you be interested? And everyone had said yes. Hmm. And I said, okay, that's good. And then Duncan Bannertine said, well, who's actually eaten off your product? I said, well, literally my family, because I've only just, you know, kind of created it. And then it went back to, to him saying, well, that's not really market research, is it? Now, when that was cut onto TV, it went to Deborah Mead and saying, what market research have you done? it came back to me saying, well, my family have eaten on it. And Duncan Ballantyne said, well, that's not market research. And I'm like, well, Mm. you know, so when that comes out on TV and they make you look a bit silly when you've, you know, actually given a very long answer that has, has, you know, has solved the problem, then it's, uh, yeah, that's the problem with those shows, I guess. But they're there for for entertainment. But at the end of the day, it was a great founding for us. You know, we set the business up well, Mm. um, knowing that we were going on there. Mm. And obviously you get some great exposure from it. Um, Certainly. Unfortunately due to a delay with one of our suppliers who weren't quite ready to to sell on the back of the show so i think we missed a trick with that Um, but again that's a learning Mm. as well that you can't always rely on all of your suppliers all the time certainly so
0: um similar to shark tank i've had a few guests on here from shark tank and they say you don't know if your episode's going to air or especially when it's going to air is that the same for dragon's den and then when did your episode air in comparison to when you were on
1: yeah it is it it took probably eight months from filming to to going on um yeah (laughs) another um slightly funny story was that i knew i was going to be on episode two of series two so this is way back in 2006 Uh um, and i was actually working in a a sports development role at the time um my boss who was a good guy knew i was up to something um his boss didn't know i was up to anything and literally i was kind of you know preparing how i was going to tell him that i was about to you know be on national tv launching my own business but i was preparing that for after series after episode one had gone out so Mm. literally i'm watching episode one kind of planning how i'm going to you know break this to my boss and they show a clip of me walking up the stairs at the end of episode one, when I haven't told anyone I'm going to be on this TV show, and oh, literally man. my phone rings instantly. And my boss is like, uh, Nick, um, not sure this is going to go down too well with the with the top dogs. And I was like, yeah, sorry, didn't realize it was uh, was going to be out. But um, huh? that was a big thing. You know, I, I started this business while I was doing another job. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's the hustle we've all got to do when we're starting something is is, you know, I had a, a, a lot of flexibility with that role. And um, so I was able to to do what I needed to do to get my business going at the same time as well. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um and then once that aired,
0: what what is the traffic like? Um was that a massive spike for the for the business? And then also how did you retain and uh keep up with that production?
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, unfortunately we were let down a little bit with one of our suppliers, so we didn't actually have the product ready to go yeah. when the show aired, but we did get a, a lot of inquiries. It would clearly have been better to have the site live and been able to take those orders directly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a a good start to the business um, in terms of getting the exposure. Um, I'd actually planned pretty soon after the show to go to a a UK trade fair, um, which is called um, Ideal Home Show, which is sold to you as a exhibitor, as a, you know, as a big show with lots of, you know, great ABC1 audience coming to see it. As it turned out, it was more like busloads of um, retirees from the coast who were coming up for a day out to look at things. And i, I it was a 24-day show, so this was brutal. I mean, this wasn't a two-, three-day show. Oh, wow. And, you know, they they ended and started the show with songs every day. And the, last, the, the closing thing was Amy Winehouse. They tried to make me go to rehab. And, you know, after about a week of this show, I'm like, you know, clearly there wasn't much hair to tear out. But <laughs> I'm there kind of going, what are we doing here? We were selling one or two sets a day. Um, And then Thursday nights came around, which was when they let, they had late night opening and Mm -hmm. people would have a few drinks and the wine tasting. And then we were selling like 20, 30 sets. I was like, okay, there is something here. But um, I'd already realized during, you know, the run up to this show that, you know, I wasn't making enough from the business um, in the early days to keep it going. So as well as having a 28 day show, I was actually running in and out of London doing some interviews um, again for another sports marketing company um to kind of you know pay the bills had some you know had young kids at the time and you know we were we were really doing the kind of startup hustle um, yeah. trying to get that going so i think it was pretty much the last day of the show i got confirmed that i got this other job um, the show hadn't gone quite as well as i wanted um so yeah juggling those balls um mm. and then started working again back in town you know getting on the train going in early in the morning coming back pretty much having dinner and then going to a, a cabin we built at the end of the garden to, to try and get you know get the orders going with the business. So yeah, it was a it was a tough start.
0: I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Nick's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Sardell. Sardell offers high quality cookware and their Italian craftsmanship lies at the core of Sardell's philosophy. They have partnered with multi-generational family owned manufacturers in Italy to produce cookware that seamlessly blends timeless design exceptional quality and affordability as someone who loves to cook at home i highly recommend sardell's cookware sets you can find a variety from 17 12 10 piece 8 piece sets and all the way down to 5 piece sets you can also buy individual pans and skillets so make sure to check them out at sardellkitchen.com that's sardellkitchen.com and enjoy the rest of the episode so what was uh, your main forms of marketing uh going through of course you launched kind of with dragon's den and then also from there you went to shows uh what, what performed well for you uh marketing wise
1: yeah i think you know in the early days for us the show was was there we thought we had a consumer product and that was one of the things we you know we said on dragon's den you know richard farley was there who was a as a tech guy and he was like well i don't get what's different to your product to to what's out there already there were similar concepts with stones but they had ovens that heated up to like 550 centigrade Mm. to heat these stones so they told you there was no way you could have it at home and the, the stone that we had sourced you could basically heat directly on a on a naked flame hmm. um so we were going towards the consumer market with the product and and therefore doing the shows um you know it was probably really back in those days very early on in the world of of google ads and social media and things you know we made sure that we we had our brand on there. And I guess that's one of the things now that we, you know, we still are very grateful for all that we have slash Lakestones on every, you know, every major social media brand there is. Yep. Um, and now if you're trying to start a brand these days, I think that's one of the challenges. It's almost impossible to come up with a brand name that you can get, you know, either the Instagram, the TikTok, everything, you know, clean for. So, yep. you know, we, we did that. Um, probably the mistake of the business for me was that we weren't, um, we didn't realize how good our marketing was just by having the product in restaurants yeah Um, and again as we built the business it became i suppose easier and easier to market because the more restaurants we sold to the more people were having the concept so we sell to restaurants um you know all over the world now big brands and obviously, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night, whatever it is, these customers are going in, having our products, seeing our branding on the, the unit and hopefully going off and searching either for our brand or for the concept. And mm-hmm. and that's what really after probably three or four years gave us the opportunity to, you know, to jump into the business full time mm-hmm. and from that, you know, take up other, you know, marketing channels to really drive the business forward. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: So to the listeners out there, can you explain? Uh, so once they receive a Steakstone, um shipment... How does that then work? If they wanted to cook for dinner that night uh, as a consumer just from home, um, you, yeah. you put it into the oven. How does that process work?
1: Yeah, so the, the easiest way to heat the stone is, is on direct heat. Um, for UK listeners, it's between 3 to 350 centigrade. Um, okay. For US, it's more like 550 to 660 Fahrenheit. So most ovens don't go up to that heat. Some do. Um, But you can get it up to that heat by putting it under the grill or the broiler. So you put the stone as close as you can to the heating element. You can put it directly onto a a flame um, and you give that maybe 20, 30 minutes to heat up. Um, mm-hmm. and that will then retain a sizzling heat for between 20 and 30 minutes so um, you can cook your steak live at the table so it's a very different experience to, to cooking your steak and, and taking it off and, and eating it yeah. now you know the best chef in the world he's going to rest that steak and he's going to you know give it to you and it's going to be lukewarm at best so mm-hmm. that was one of the big things with ours that we wanted that hot steak. we loved that when you were in the Jurassic area and you had the, the hot mouth full of food so the dry searing heat that our stone puts into the food will only really cook the outside one or two millimeters because it interacts with the moisture so if you put a nice fillet fillet steak on there within five minutes it's still only going to be cooked through a few millimeters on the outside but when you cut the pieces a little bit smaller and turn them they'll start to cook through so Mm. you can choose if you want your steak well done by cutting it into strips and turning it over or having it rare and just cutting it and searing it so you know even when we have dinner at home we'll have the you know the four of us as a family we all eat it differently you know my wife will bite off a you know Cut off a, a small nibble and, and just see that because she likes it quite rare. I'll play around with mine a little bit and, and have different experiences. The, the sets we have have a lot of different options. So we have yeah. Yeah. Um, our main, probably our best seller, the steaks sizzling steak set has three sauce pots as well, so you can add different flavors in there. Mm-hmm. Again, unfortunately for the boys, it's soy sauce and tomato ketchup. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you you can put different flavors in there to tailor it to different cuisines. So again, that's part of the strength of the product. We have sharing plates that are much larger stones that you can put in the middle of the table. You can even use those to cook on the barbecue and then remove the, the meat off or, you know, the fish off and, and cut and cook each bite as you like with that. So, mm. you know, you're able to tailor the cuisine by the sauces, the side dishes that you serve. Um, yeah. And we yeah. sell to many different restaurants from Indian to Italian to classic, you yeah. know, British steak and French steak. You know, we, we sell all over the world and have different sets for the different steaks. Typically our, our U.S., audience like the slightly larger stones for their slightly larger steaks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we tend to try and promote deeper rather than, than, you know, wider if you get what I mean with the steak, because that sure. really allows you to enjoy every bite as you like. For sure.
0: Um, yeah, getting that consumer feedback, um, especially from restaurants, from the shows, um, what would you say is your main demographic then for steak stones? Of course, it's a universal product, especially for families. Um,
1: but can you depict that? um i guess you know it's easy to say foodies um, but anyone who likes their food enjoys the experience of dining i mean we like any business you're going to get um you know negative comments the only thing we ever get is why would i go to a restaurant and, and want to cook anything myself and we have a mm-hmm. restaurateur over in dublin who's actually opened five restaurants on the the strength of our product and he does a 10-minute challenge he says if anyone comes in and says to me you know, why do I want to come out and, and have to cook it myself? He said, well, look, I'll, I'll give you it. And 10 minutes in, if you want me to cook your brand new steak from, from scratch in the kitchen and, and do that, then then I will. And he says he's never had anyone take him up on it because 10 minutes in, once you're realizing that you can cut, cook, sear and enjoy every bite of steak exactly as you want, then you realize that there's, there's more to it than just eating the food, right? This is mm-hmm. an experience. It's something that smells great, sounds great, looks great and tastes fantastic. And yep. because it awakens all the senses, it's something that people always remember where they've had. So if we are doing a trade show, people always tell us, oh, I remember first having this in, in Madeira in Portugal. They can tell us the name of the restaurant. I mean, they remember it so well because the senses are all aroused. So mm. I think for us, that's the the benefit and the strength of the product is that when people go out to a restaurant and, and have it, they do remember the, the, the concept. Um, and that keeps them going back to those restaurants. So that's great for us selling to the restaurants. It also perhaps has them you know, wanting to buy some of these to have for dinner parties at home, you know, whether that's just for a couple on one of our sharing plates or, you know, for six or eight people with their own individual set, it actually becomes a very sociable dinner party as well, because you're not slaving away for hours in the kitchen, cooking that main ingredient, you are just there, you know, and serving the stone, serving the steak and everyone does it their own way. So again, the the chef never gets blamed for the steak being cooked wrong. (laughs) Love that. So I'd like to conclude each episode with this. Uh, If you could share one piece of
0: advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, what would you
1: say that would be? Um, For me, it is just a start. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a great quote by Goethe, um, which begins, until one is committed, there is hesitancy. um, And it ends, whatever you do or dream, you can begin it. Um, Business has a power, genius and magic in it. So, you know, for me, that's, that's what it's all about you know you, you meet so many people and, and i'm glad i'm i'm not in that camp because i did just start but so many people say oh, i wish i'd done this i wish i'd done that you know i think it's easier now to get going than ever before you can create a website in you know in five hours your own with no experience you've got the likes of of you know wix and and all the other platforms to do that mm-hmm. you've got supplying ch- platforms like alibaba where you can source anything you don't even have to come up with your own product anymore right you can just go on there and think what's selling well i mean the likes of amazon will tell you things that are that are flying so mm-hmm. you know i think people just have to get out there and get started if there's something they want to do and if they don't want to work on the, the nine to five grind that um that many people are still trapped in
0: Certainly. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Stakestones at stakestones.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.